You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. If you look at the silver chart, 1850 is kind of the really, really important technical level. Once you get over 1850, that's when it's supposed to go into a bull market. This is Mining Stock Education, and I am your host, Bill Powers. Thanks for tuning in. My guest today is Don Durrett of goldstockdata.com. Don also wrote a book on investing in mining stocks. In fact, it was one of the first books that I ever read years ago on investing in mining stocks. So, Don, welcome back onto the show. Uh, we're seeing pretty unique things happening in the market. The 10-year treasury seems to be collapsing, all-time highs in the gold-silver ratio, Gold is soaring, yet the miners are crashing. Perhaps you can help educate me and my listeners. What's going on here? The first thing, it's, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, gold is a hedge um, for the market. But it, it, if you have to understand uh, what, what gold really represents as an investment, it's not a hedge for a stock market crash. Gold is more of a hedge. If you look at um, Exter's pyramid, gold is at the very bottom. It's the ultimate hedge. But if you go one level above that, it's cash. And then one level above that, it's short-term U.S. treasuries. So gold stocks aren't there at the bottom. The, the, so what gold is really hedging, first thing it's hedging really is cash, the cash system. And people go to, go to cash. I mean, that's one of the safe havens. And then above that is short-term bonds. And so gold is really a hedge against cash and bonds primarily. That's the big hedge. So if the bond market cracks, then bondholders will sell their bonds and buy gold. But the bond market hasn't cracked, and the, and the cash market, sovereign uh, fiat currency hasn't cracked. So gold hasn't really gotten a bid yet. I call that the fear trade. And mining stocks are literally a risk-on investment. So when you have a sell-off on the market, you have everybody selling their miners because they're getting rid of all their risk on trades. So the miners have been getting totally beat up. The miners have probably beat up more than the market itself. I think if you ask anybody that has any mining shares, they're going, what's going on? Because they're getting just whacked. And it's because it's the risk off trade. And that'll turn and we can talk about that. Do you also think that a lot of people probably had margin calls last week and so they had to sell whatever they could sell and Gold stocks, after all, are still socks, so they succumbed or were affected by the margin calls? Uh, yeah, I hear that argument a lot, but I think a lot of it is just getting out of your risk on trades. I think that's the chunk of it, the big chunk. There's, yeah, there's some margin. But a lot of it is just I'm just getting out. I'm selling all my risk on trades, and I'm going to keep my utilities. I'm going to keep this. I'm going to keep that. I'm getting rid of all the risk off. And you know, these guys are experienced traders. They know that these are risk on trades. They know they're going to get beat up. So they're just selling them because, you know, the trend, basically. That's I think that's the biggest reason, not so much margin calls. Dan, you emailed me at the end of last week and you said, I think we could see 1700 in the coming week. And then I emailed you back on Sunday night and said, well, we, we see it at the beginning of this week. And then uh, early Monday morning, we saw the gold-silver ratio top 100, which is like the all-time high that we haven't seen since the Gulf War in the early 90s. What do you make of this, especially this gold-silver ratio being so high? Well, the first thing, I think you need to recognize that the incredible leverage that's currently um, we have right now with silver versus gold. With the GSR, it, right now it's it, it, like 98 if you round up. 
Um, so when, whenever silver is considered money, it's around 20, right around 20, maybe less than 20 for the last hundred years when it's perceived as money. So I guess you have to go back to the 1920s and b- below that. So if silver comes back as money, then the GSR will shrink, uh, back in 2011 and, and people around the world consider silver money as an asset, um, Back in 2011, it was under 40. I forget where it got to. I was right at 40, I guess. If you take 1935 and divide by 47, I think it comes out at 40. So you get, you're getting, and I don't see any reason why it's not going to go back to 40. Some people think it's going to go back to 20. I think it'll go back somewhere between 20 and 40. So that GSR, it's basically telling you it's just screaming opportunity. Unless it's going to, you know, silver is always going to be a base metal and nobody's ever going to consider money again. But if things, if you back to that extras pyramid where gold is at the very bottom, I think silver kind of jumps in there, down there at the bottom and becomes this great hedge as well. And so you're going to see this shrinking of the GSR. So you have two to one leverage. Now, the other side of the coin, okay, Don, great. Silver has this leverage, a great investment. But if I go into silver miners, Silver miners are getting completely hammered. Silver miners aren't really making any money at $17 silver. It seems like a foolish investment. And they have a good point. It's really, really risky. Um, we're at $17 silver right now. And, you know, where is the silver price that makes sense as a, as a silver mining investment? It probably doesn't make a lot of sense until you get to 20 So silver is really cheap right now, really undervalued. The miners, silver miners are getting pummeled. And I think we got to get to 20, maybe 22 before people really want to buy miners, silver miners. What is the short-term outlook this year for silver, in your opinion? Because when gold shot above 1,700, it was pretty unique. Silver was considerably considered an economic or industrial metal because silver went down even as gold went up. So people clearly aren't you know, running to silver for its economic value. When do you see the turnaround? Somebody told me yesterday that they think it'll be 1750 gold. What's your thoughts here? I analyze it, you know, thought about it quite a bit. Um, after this market started doing this sell-off, you know, what's silver going to do? When's silver going to, the fear trade going to kick in? What's going to be that magical trigger? You said 1750, 1850. At what time do people start, say, jumping on the trend and, and people just start, People push it up. And that's what I was talking about, that extras pyramid. At what time does silver go down there and join gold? Um, we don't know. We don't know when that's going to be. I, I think, and nobody knows, I, I think the key here is going to be uh, uh, we have a recession or not, and the bond market too. The bond market needs to crack. We, we were seeing this liquidity issues today. For instance, um, the repo market last night was 200, over $200 billion. That's a big number. And this is on they do the repo market daily. This is the overnight loans. So we're going to be watching the repo market. And a lot of times the repo market is kind of holding the dike up on, on a lot of these bad loans where they just need funding to keep the liquidity going because their their loans aren't paying, you know, the, the money that they need, basically non-performing loans. So we're seeing liquidity issues start to pop up. The more you see that, the more you're going to start seeing money start trickling into silver. Um, and then at a certain point, then we get uh, we get to 18, 1850. I think last time I talked to you, I said 1850 is, is the number I've been waiting for. If you look at the silver chart, 1850 is kind of the really, really important st- 
technical level. Once you get over 1850, that's when it's supposed to go into a bull market. So the silver market has not gone into a bull market. Gold went into a bull market at 1375. So we've been in a bull market, but it hasn't been confirmed, in my opinion. Silver never confirmed the bull market, gold bull market. But technically, the gold bull market turned at 1375. We've been in a bull market for gold for quite a while. Um, but silver is not confirmed. Silver is still in a bear market. And it's an ugly bear market. I mean, $17 silver is just flat out ugly. I mean, anybody that owns any silver miners will know what I mean. Um, so when does it turn? I think um, if, 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 we, if we start to see recessionary numbers, we, the Dow needs to, I think, hold like 23,000. And and the S&P has to hold 2,500. Those are really important numbers. So I don't think that we are seeing a bottom yet in this market. So if we get under 2,500 in the S&P, under 23,000 in the Dow, those, those are probably trigger points for possibly silver to make a move up. So we, we have these potential trigger points coming up, and I think those are what to look for. And, and the other thing to look at, if you look at the um, silver market itself, I think we got to get to about $22 silver for silver for the silver miners really to start to run. That And at that point, if we're at $1,700 gold and $22 silver, the GSR is $77. Um, I don't think it's going to shrink that fast. Uh, if we're at $1,800 gold and $25 silver, the GSR is at $72. So, we're probably going to be somewhere in there. We're going to get the GS. We need to get the GSR down to 80, low 80s, quicker, quickly. That's going to be a big, big number to watch. So watch. These are the numbers to start looking at. You know, watch the GSR. It needs to come off. Watch the S&P. Watch the Dow. Watch even the dollar. We haven't talked about the dollar. Dollars at 96, which is good for gold and silver. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Orin Resources is a junior exploration company with the appetite of a major, focused on finding the next globally significant discovery to create enormous potential upside for shareholders. It's one of the most aggressive exploration companies pursuing high-grade, scalable gold and copper deposits and has a premier seven-project portfolio including its two flagships, Committee Bay in the Arctic and Sombrero in Peru. With Orin's unparalleled technical team and highly experienced management with a history of success in advancing and monetizing exploration assets, Orin has been called one of the best in the junior exploration sector. Orin trades on the TSX and NYSC under the ticker AUG. To learn more, go to orinresources.com. That's A-U-R-Y-N resources.com. For those listening that are specifically trying to time an entry point to enter into some positions that maybe they've had on their watch list, mining stock positions, what are you looking for for a bottom, Don? I know you do a lot of averaging in, but uh, are there any signs of, of a bottom for where we are right now that you could share? Um, no, uh, and nobody knows the bottom. We, we don't know um, how far this sell-off is going to go. Uh, I've seen a lot of people say 20,000. If we go under 23,000 on the Dow, we probably go to 20. If that happens, we're going to see more selling. Remember, we're more risk-off selling. The HUI is right now about 2015, 2017, somewhere in there. We're going to see the HUI possibly go into 200. So there's, there's going to be basically a you know kind of a bloodbath in the miners if we go down to 20,000. So you're catching you're probably catching a falling knife right now if you're buying miners until we know it because we just don't know where the bottom is. But at a certain point, um, I think you're going to see 
um, some money, the bond market start to have some problems, and that's when go, that's when people go to go to gold, and that's when the head that fear trade kicks in, and I think that's when silver is going to start to get a, a buy as well. So when the bottom is, don't know, but I would think twenty thousand Dow is probably going to be a probably a good entry point. The one wild card here is the bond market. If we see a bond fund. Um, or a bank. I mean, if you look at Dutch Bank, if you look at their chart, they're on the precipice. If we see a major bank go down, those banks hold a lot of money in the bond markets, and they hold up the bond markets in a lot of ways. So if you see a bank go down, that could be a, a trigger for gold to get a buy. If silver, one thing is everyone is, feels that gold's going to go to 1800. That's the next number, the next target. A lot of consensus, and, I, and, and we're not talking gold bulls here, we're talking Wall Street. Wall Street is expecting, you know, the Goldman Sachs, JP Morgans are expecting $1,800 gold. And if we go to $1,800 gold, that's going to prop up the gold miners. So how do we know? I'm not sure which when we're going to $1,800. Do we go to $1,800 when silver, when the stock market's going down to $23 or below? So that's kind of the wild card that gold could make a run in 1750, 1800 and prop up some of these miners. So, you know, so there's risk. You could be catching a falling knife. I'd say the odds are right now, I would expect, I'm expecting the miners to go lower before they come back up, but I could be wrong. And we could see it pop this week. And the one thing we've seen in the HYs has been very, very volatile. It's been 240. It even was higher than 250 very, very recently, two weeks ago, I think. And now we're all the way back under 220. Um, by the end of the week, who knows? It could be down to 200. It could be 240. Very, very volatile. It's going to remain volatile for a while. But I think if we go into recession um, and the bond market starts to take some hits, a lot of people are saying that this is going to be worse than 2008. If it is worse than 2008, then I would think there's going to be some money going into gold. Um, faster than it did last time. I think last time, I think it took about six months before the gold market really started kicking into gear. Um, I think it'll be faster this time. Fingers crossed. And what type of companies would you be looking to purchase at these depressed levels? What would be the first type of company that you would jump in and buy? Okay, so, so the GSR is at, at, at 98. So you got to look at silver. So, I mean, physical silver, I've always been a buyer under $18. I don't know why. But I just always felt that anything under 18 uh, is a great time to buy physical silver. Um, I just don't see physical silver because of this huge GSR. I don't see it going much lower. I mean, even if we do a sell-off down to 20000 in the Dow, I think I don't see us going under 15. So I would say the kind of the bottom. So we're kind of bouncing on the bottom for silver. Um, gold, yeah, I don't see gold going under 1500 either. So there's your 100 GSR, uh, $1,500 gold, 15. Um, so you have your physical silver, which looks really, really good. I just wrote an article um, on Seeking Alpha talking about that. Um, then, then you have your silver miners. Now, again, yes, you could catch a falling knife. It's, it's not a fantastic time to buy. You have to look to see where your entry is. But the two ETFs, the SIL uh, miner ETF, that's my favorite one, and then the SILJ, um, it's not – doesn't – not quite as large a fund, but it, that one has um, has more upside potential. Those two ETFs look really good. And then if you look at the um, the biggest silver miners, uh, Mag Silver I think is a 
really good entry price here. Anything under 10, I, I think it's down to eight. So Mag Silver, anything under 10 seems like, I mean, they just, <laughs> they just have a great cash flow situation coming up. I just don't see how Mag Silver is not going to do incredibly well. Then you have the other two big, well, there's a few other big silver miners. You have First Majestic. Now, see, First Majestic, it's not a great stock at $17 silver, but it is a great stock at 20 uh, depending on, of course, there's always risk in the miners. Depends what happens in Mexico, of course. And then you have the other silver miners, Pan American. I like Pan American, but they they're not no longer pure silver miner. So the pure silver miners are Mag and First Majestic. And then the gold silver, you have Pan American. And the other one that I like a lot is Hotchild. Those are the four big silver miners that I like a lot. So that's ones that I would definitely. Um, be jumping into with his GSR. Well, those are my favorites. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Silver One Resources is an exploration and development company backed by strategic investors Eric Sprott and SSR Mining. At Silver One's Candelaria Mine Project in Nevada, there is already a historic resource estimated at 127 million ounces of silver, which Silver One is developing and advancing. The company's Phoenix Silver Project, located within the Arizona Silver Belt, is an early-stage exploration project on which native silver vein fragments have been discovered near surface. One grab sample assayed an astounding 14,688 ounces per ton. Yes, that's right. Ounces, not grams. Silver One has tremendous exploration potential, is extremely leveraged to the price of silver, and is cashed up and poised to increase shareholder value. Silver One trades in New York under the ticker SLVRF and in Toronto under the ticker SVE. To learn more, go to silverone.com. That's silverone.com. Would you consider gold royalties at this point also? So gold royalties, I, I, I've i never gotten into royalties for two reasons, but I like them. I think they're going to do really well. Um, but there's two there's two problems that I don't like. One, I don't like the fact <laughs> I'm getting into trouble here. People love their royalties, royalty stuff, is that the contracts are for the life of the mine and there's no – there's no adjustability to them. So what that means is that if somebody buys a stream or, and they only pay $4 an ounce for silver and silver goes to 100, the company that owns the stream gets $96. And to me, that's not fair. It's, a, it's an unfair model, I think, to the person who signed the contract. Well, it's a contract. Well, no, well silver never go to 100. Well, sure, it can go to 100. So I, I wish that there was if there was adjustability in those contracts, I would I would I liked them a lot better. <laughs> of course, then if that was the fact, then it wouldn't be such a great investment. Per so se. you're skeptical that they'll those contracts will legally hold up when the commodity prices soar. Well, I said before there's two reasons. So no, reason number one is I just think they're not fair. I mean, <laughs> why should one person get all get all the the winnings, right? Uh, then the second one is that since they're that way, since they are so one-sided, if I'm a company and silver goes to 100, I'm going to stop making my payments. I'm just going to stop. Take me to court. It, you either redo the contract or else kind of thing or sue me. But they would still be profitable at that time though, right, Don? Um, Both no, the producer no. and the, the royalty company. The, the, the produce, let's say the producer um, has this one has this one-sided thing. They basically just stop making their royalty payments to the royalty company. So the royalty stock's going to get hit, right? And then the producer goes, "Look, I'll keep paying my payments, but I want a little bit more. You're getting ninety-six dollars. I'm getting nothing." 
right? I, I just think I see the contracts breaking at a certain point in time. So those two issues bother me. So I've never bought a royalty stock, but I love the model. If you're an investor, you're probably going to make a five bagger on all of them. They're all doing great. Um, so, so the royalty model makes sense, but the, for those two reasons, I don't own any, own any. Do you have like a historical precedent to kind of justify your future expectation of how that will play out? Yeah, of course. Contracts. <laughs> contract law in general? Yeah, contract law. You think people always pay their contracts? No, they go to court and sue and say, look, uh, this contract's not valid. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not a lawyer, but I just, I guess I tend to think that it'll hold up, especially in jurisdictions like the U.S. and Canada. I don't know if an argument. Um... Well, here's 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 the argument. My argument is that if you can keep, let's say that you don't get paid for two years because it's in court. Let's say that you can drag it out. If you're a royalty company, do you really want to wait two years to get paid or won't you redo the contract? Well, they do redo some of the contracts I know you're aware of to where the producer will be like, hey, I'm not, never going to bring this mine into production unless you lessen the exactly. burden of this royalty. Exactly. That's my point. Exactly. So the, the producer has leverage and he, and he's con and that's the point. My point is they do have some leverage. They can always basically, okay, I won't pay for, you know, 12 months or 16 months unless you redo it. So then the takeaway would be what the royalty companies advertise as their future revenues. You don't necessarily think that will be the actual revenues because the producers might try to bargain them down a little. Well, again, my, my th I'm what I'm projecting in the future. They're not projecting. I'm projecting $7,500 silver. Mm -hmm. They're not. If you talk to them, they're saying that's pie in the sky fantasy. They're only going up to $40, $50 silver. Even if they won't even really talk about $50 silver. And they're basically saying the contracts are fine. Well, the contracts are fine up to $30, $40, $50 silver. Sure. No one's going to complain. But once you get to $75 silver, $100 silver, again, these are my projections that nobody else uses. Nobody uses $75 silver, $100 silver. I, but I'm, you know, that's where I see silver going. So I'm an outlier. So my theories don't even hold water, according to them. <laughs> Don, as we conclude, any other thoughts on the markets or mining stock speculation you'd like to share with the audience? I want to talk a little bit about sentiment and the upside potential for gold. There was two points that we didn't talk about that I want to talk about. The first one is the HUI. So the HUI is under 220 and, and gold's at 1700. Does anybody realize where the HUI was when gold was at 1935? It was, the HUI was at three times as high. So that means that the majors, the majors could go up, their valuations could go up almost three times their current value from 1700 to 1900 to equate to 2011. So the upside potential of these majors is huge in a short period of time. I just wanted to make that point. Um, the other one is the recession, the potential of a recession coming on. So we have oil right now at $33, $34 in West Texas. So that means that the shale miners, that are, which is about 5 million barrels a day, are all getting you know, murdered, basically. They're all pumping today. Five million barrels are getting pumped at a loss today. Let that resonate. And most of these companies have debt on their books. So they're losing money, and they have debt on their books, big time. So that, I mean, we're, the state of Texas is going to just get hammered over the next six months. I mean, I know there, there's some hedges, but 
You, if you just put just that alone, you, the oil alone is just a huge harbinger for a potential recession. Then let's throw in the coronavirus. The coronavirus isn't going anywhere for the next two months. So April, M March and April, the coronavirus is just going to just nail a lot of industries. Um, you have what the airline industry is getting, you know, hammered. The auto industry is already basically having trouble, but I just don't see the auto industry kicking into gear. Um, so they have big inventory issues. I know they're not having fun. The oil and gas, which I just mentioned, then you have the hotel industry getting hammered, car rental companies, and you're going to start to see jobs start to go down where all these industries that I just mentioned are going to lay people off. So, okay, so we have the potential for a recession this year. That is something to definitely keep an eye on. That's the one thing that kicks the bond market. So, oh, and then finally, I wanted to talk about sentiment in the gold and silver miners. So the sentiment is just awful right now. Awful, awful, awful. But so what's going to trigger the sentiment in the miners to go positive? And I think this goes back to your question of, you know, when do you think it's going to bottom or whatever? Well, I don't know so much of when it's going to bottom, but I know when it's going to turn and go forward. So we know that $7,900 gold isn't the number for sentiment for the majors. But we also know that there's this huge, huge upside potential from 1700 to 1900 So I would say somewhere around, I would say, I'm going to say $1,800 gold. $1,800 gold is probably the point in time when sentiment turns, but it's going to have to stay over 1800 for a few months. And then you're just going to see a boatload of money going into the miners. Silver, I think, I think I mentioned it before, I think it's going to be at least 20 maybe $22 silver when the sentiment change. So that's what I got, Bill. Thanks for letting me finish up. Excellent. Well, you've been listening to Don Durrett of goldstockdata.com. If you're not familiar with Don's book, it's How to Invest in Gold and Silver. Just go to Amazon or type in your Don Durrett, How to Invest in Gold and Silver, and I'm sure that'll pop up. As always, Don, I appreciate your insights. Thanks for coming on the show. One final thing. Um, anybody wants a free trial to um, goldstockdata.com, just send me an email. I'll give you a two-week trial. Thanks for having me on, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. 
The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.